This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. How many, um, like you do grocery shopping um, for your, your spouse may be the primary um, shopper at the grocery store, but you go to the store sometimes, raise your hand. Okay, okay, you're, say, okay so like I, well, I do that, okay? And I actually kind of enjoy it. So um, we have this app on our phone, though, which is really kind of unfair in some ways because um, it syncs up. So Jen will send me to the store like she did last, last week for one item. And while I'm at the store, the list keeps growing because she's at home adding things to the list, you know, and it sinks, and so anyway, I do all that kind of stuff. But so like last week, I, I couldn't find peanut butter. Normally, when I go to the store, it results in about three or four phone calls back to Jen of like, okay, where do you find the peanut butter? Because they always hide it. You know, they always hide it. And they hide everything from people like me. I'm sure that they do. And I'm sure they move it around anyway. So, um, but I call, I call home. I can't find the peanut butter. Where's the peanut butter? She, where are you standing? Well, I'm standing down here by the bread. You know, that's where peanut butter should go, right? By bread. But it's actually at the opposite end of the store. So I got to go back there. And like when I see the peanut butter, there is such great joy. I, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like my search is over. I have found the peanut butter. And um, she gave me the directions in, in all of that. Um, how many have ever been in a situation where you have been lost or you didn't know your way around, right? Okay, I, I've been there too. Like, I've been there too. And you've either made a phone call or better yet, someone has said like, just follow me, follow me, and I'll show you the way, right? Something like that. Just, just don't lose sight of me. And, and it's the feeling of joy that is because you don't have to like negotiate the busy city streets or anything. All you need to do is keep your eyes on the person in front of you. And that's really what we're talking about in this series called Following Jesus. That in this busy, messy world that we're in, um, all we need to do is keep our eyes on Jesus and follow him. And there's great joy in knowing that we won't, we won't get lost. I've, I felt like Natalie preached a sermon during um, prayer time. Didn't, he, didn't she? And that this world gets really, really messy sometimes. And, and we, we're trying to navigate the messiness of life. But the good news is we commit our way to him as followers of Jesus, as we commit our way to him as disciples of Jesus, we won't get lost. He will lead us through the mess and through the questions in all life. That's what this series is all about, following Jesus and letting him, allowing him to lead in all of life. Someone said it so well, and I quoted it, um, I don't know, three, three or four weeks ago. Um, something like that from um, Red Pen Logic, guy I follow, Mr. B. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but only believe what Jesus believes, as long as he agrees with you, then you're not following Jesus, you're following yourself. You get that? So like if you only follow Jesus, maybe during the good times, right? Um, or because you happen to agree with what he says, you're, you're not following him, you're just following yourself. And if you go to John chapter 6, we see many disciples turned and, and walked away from Jesus. 
So we're talking about being followers of him. And what does that look like? What example does he give us as we kind of navigate life? We'll be talking about one of those areas in just a few moments. But would you stand with me as we read God's word? Luke chapter 14 at home. <clears throat> would you stand as well, if you don't mind? Now Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 35. Here it goes. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Just think about that for a moment. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, Father, I pray that we would have ears open to your spirit to hear all that you are saying to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And uh, thanks for taking the time to stand with me on that. Interesting that when Jesus says, like, um, if you don't hate your mother or your father, or your brother, or your children, or even yourself, you can't be my disciple. What's he, what, what's he saying? When, when Jesus says, if you don't renounce all things, what's he saying? When he says, like, if you're not bearing your own cross, what, 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 what's he saying? Let's talk about it for just a moment, because it really lays the foundation for where we want to go um, today. So the Greek term for disciple in the, in the New Testament really is, is talking about being a student or being a learner, but also carries with it this meaning of, of being a follower. So a disciple is a follower of Jesus, and we are called in this life as a follower, as a disciple, to a life of total surrender. Now, there's a lot of us who are going to draw back just a little bit and go like, okay, that total surrender thing is something that I struggle with. And I think probably uh, maybe we're all, all there in some respect, perhaps. You know, like a life of, of, of total surrender. Surrender? Is that the life Jesus calls me to? And the answer is clearly yes, it, it is. The passage we just read, verse number 27, who does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I think it's often a passage is misinterpreted or at least it's, it's misunderstood. And, and it, it kind of is taken to mean by some that when I choose to follow Jesus, like he's going to place a burden a, upon me. Um, it's something that I'm going to have to carry. And, and what you might hear in, um, today is something like this. Like, well, that's, that's just the burden I have to carry. Like, that's just the cross. I have to carry you. Might be talking about position in life. Might be talking about a job. Might be talking about a relationship. You know, it's just a cross I have to bear. It's the burden that Jesus has given to me, and I think that's just a wrong way to think about that. I think it's it's a misunderstanding of that particular passage. What Jesus is teaching us here is that to follow Him, we must die to self. Now, 
How hard is it to die to self? How many find that difficult? Okay, let's be honest, right? Jesus is calling us to die to self. In other words, this life that you and I are called to as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, is one of absolute surrender. And when we think about absolute surrender, that is absolute surrender. Like, that is everything. So I give you my, my life. I give you all of my relationships. I give you everything that I am. Following Jesus means that we surrender everything to him, including the things that we hold tightly to. It's almost like when you think of surrender, um, what do you think of? Like maybe hands up, right? If you're going to surrender to somebody, like it's usually hands up, right? Yes? It's like I give up. I surrender. That's, that's what we're, we're talking about. The call to follow Jesus is a call to surrender. Partial surrender? No, not at all. Full surrender where Jesus is Lord. So Jesus is Lord over all of my relationships. Jesus is Lord over all of my life. Jesus is Lord over my career. Jesus is Lord over my finances. Jesus is Lord over all of my life. It's a life of complete surrender to him. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And some of us are wondering, like, why did we choose today to come to church, right? <laughs> so, like, if we don't renounce also God, I, re I renounce all of my goals. I renounce my life. I, 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 I turn everything over to Jesus. You are my priority in life and the life that you have called me to. My resources, my finances, my goals in life, my relationships, my career, my job, my business, my everything. Jesus, it's all yours. For many in the world today, um, that means they will lose their life. That means when we talk about persecution, and I've said, we don't know what persecution is really here. For many, this means they will lose their life. You know, on average, about 13 Christians every day are killed for their faith for following Jesus. Nearly 400 Christians dying every month just because they follow Jesus. Uh, our discipleship statement, let me just share it with you, kind of the way that we, we term it here at, at, at Gateway, is this. A disciple is someone who follows. Everybody say follows Jesus in the way that we're talking about, right, and helps others do the same. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus and helps others do the, do, do the same. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Meaning that if you, if you follow me, if you walk with me through life, you just watch how I live and observe how I, how I live, you will actually be following Christ because I am following him. It means to walk, literally means to walk in the tracks and to follow the tracks. So how many have been out, like maybe you've been hiking in the snow, right? Or that's probably the more likely thing, um, I think, that illustrates this. If you're walking in the snow, and it's deep snow, and you're able to walk in the tracks of somebody else, you will follow somebody else. That's what we're talking about. You walk in the same tracks, or you behave in the same manner of someone else. So when I look back at this week, um, when I look backwards, and you look backwards, like, what, what tracks did I leave back here? 
So if someone's following in my tracks or someone's following my example or someone's following in my footprints, who are they following? What is it they're seeing in, in my life? What if you look back this way and how you dealt in business or how you dealt with relationships, how you dealt with your neighbor, how you dealt with people in, at the coffee shop, at the store, wherever you and they were following your tracks. Who, who are they following? This is our call to live out this upside down kingdom that Luke describes in, in, in Luke chapter 6. Verses number 27 through 31. Remember that we talked about that. And I suggested to you that it's, it's an upside down kingdom because it, it, really, it really doesn't make sense. Just, just listen to it. Um, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Like that, when does that make sense, right? Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. So when, I, when, when someone looks back or they follow my tracks, it, is that what they're seeing? Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So looking back, how well did we live, live that out? And, and you know, we're going to be on a scale from 1 to 10, whatever. I think if we, if we stop and consider what this last week or our life is all about. To live out this upside down kingdom, we're not talking about the human. We're talking about the divine. Because humanly, I think it's okay to say that's impossible right there. That's difficult. That's hard. That's impossible. But we're not talking about the human. We're talking about the divine because Jesus, his spirit, lives in you and in me. And he has given us everything that we need, the Bible says, to walk this life out in the way that he calls. So let's, let's dive in. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Um, Jesus is, is quoting Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now let me give you some context in which Jesus is saying that. This Luke chapter 4, beginning with verses 14 or so and on to 30, record the early days of Jesus' public ministry. You might want to go back and read that. Teaching in the synagogues before going to his hometown of Nazareth. And here, Jesus is reading part of the prophecy from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord... God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he claims that he, Jesus, has fulfilled it. There are those who rejected what he was saying. Um, and you can read about that. And that Jesus, like, he, you have no place to make, they make these claims. And this causes an uproar. Why? Because Jesus' mentioning of the Gentiles rather than the Jews having God's blessing caused them to be furious. You mean God's mercy extends even to the, to the Gentiles? And there was such an uproar, so much so, that they attempted to kill him, and he does a miracle here. So how many have ever been in one of those escape rooms? Like, I never have. 
and I never will, I don't think. Now, it might be cool. I'll probably try it sometime, but it's like, this is the first you read about an escape room right here. Think about it, like, because here's what the Bible says, like, all of a sudden, like, Jesus walks through the crowd, and he disappears. I guess he would disappear as he walked through the crowd. Anyway, that's cool, I think, right there. It's like, what just happened? Like, he's gone. He just disappears. And what we read is that the anointed one has come, and this world, this, or, and this would be the mission of Jesus at his first coming, and we see the themes, if you will, being fulfilled in the earthly ministry of Jesus. So last week we talked about living as a welcomer, right? So I ask you this question, um, who is the Zacchaeus in your life? Remember, Zacchaeus was this little guy that climbs this tree, right, because he he wants to see Jesus. He was, you know, a, a small guy. So he climbs a tree to see Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Jesus welcomes him. And Jesus went to his home. Salvation came to Zacchaeus' house that, that day. And so we talked about living our lives as a welcomer. So when we look back at the tracks we left this week, just a review. How do we do? How do we do? Um, did we welcome people following the example of, of, of Jesus? And this week, we want to talk about the poor and the hurting. Jesus emphasized his love for the poor and the hurting, and he calls you and me to do the same, to follow his example. Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, he gives us this example. He says this, it's a parable of the great banquet. He also said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers, or your relatives, or rich neighbors. And he says, why? Lest they also invite you in return, and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So if we were to take that parable and to put it in our own context, what, what would it say to you? Like, our first go-to is to invite the people that we know, our relatives, the, the people who, we are, who are rich, perhaps, who might kind of extend a return invite to us. And Jesus says, no, you step away from that life to this life that I'm calling you, and you invite the poor and the crippled, those who have no ability to reward you or no ability to pay you back. Teaches, Jesus teaches that there's a blessing, there's a reward for those who treat the poor as you would your friends and rich neighbors. Do good to those who cannot repay the favor. As a believer or follower of Jesus, we are to do so with no expectation of a future earthly reward. Listen to Dr. Craig Keener, and he's referring to Luke chapter 4. He says, here Jesus applies the words of Isaiah 61 to his own ministry. The Spirit anointed him to bring liberation to those in need. First, his mission was to proclaim good news to the poor. Throughout Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of Luke, he indeed emphasizes God's care for the poor and the responsibility of others to care for them. And sometimes he even miraculously provides food for hungry crowds. Now, we understand that to be poor in spirit when we, we read that in Sermon on the Mount, implies that, that all of us, we are utterly spiritually bankrupt before God and have absolutely nothing of any value at all to offer him. We come to him poor and receive the riches of the kingdom when we receive Christ. 
We have all been born poor, yet Jesus gave his life for you and for me. And I think it's that recognition of what Jesus has done in my life and in our lives that causes us then to respond differently to the poor amongst us. Our response to the poor and needy that are around us reflects the work of salvation in our own lives, how we were lifted from poor to rich. This is a call to live differently. That when someone observes your life and they observe my life and we're out in the community, wherever we are, there's something different about you and there's something different about me and particularly this morning in our response to the poor around us or those in need. Now, this will get just a little bit challenging in just a moment because here's what happens. I know that every one of us, probably, at least some of us anyway, when we drive by, those who might be holding up a cardboard sign asking for help, asking for perhaps for money or asking for food, it just could be that one of the first thoughts that come to our mind is this, get a job. Anybody guilty? Or, 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 or like, are you serious? Are you really serious? Like, didn't you see there was a sign up there that says hiring here at Gateway, you know, or anywhere else? Like, why don't you, why don't you get a job? And, I, and you know, if we, if we give to them, if I give to them, like, I'm just going to enable their lifestyle anyway. So I'm just not going to do that. Like, like, how many of us have those kinds of thoughts or those things kind of going through our mind and blah, 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 it goes on from there. Or maybe, just maybe, um, we're the real spiritual ones, and we're not going to give them money, and we're not going to give them food, but we're going to give them a spiritual track, right? Because we know that's the most important thing in life. John Piper, um, I think, shares some challenging words, and at least to me, and, and I'll just offer them to you. He says, I think that Jesus' radical, sometimes unqualified commands are intended especially, not only, but especially, to sever the nerve of our deep, deep, deep selfishness as human beings. Somebody want to say, ouch? He meant to expose the most fundamental problem with human nature, namely our sinful condition that consists essentially in a deep bondage to self-exaltation, self-preservation, worldly self-gratification, all of which more or less conceals a self-asserting resistance to God's right to tell us what's good for us and to be for us what's good for us. He goes on, he says, I think Jesus cares more about exposing and healing the disease of our evil self-centeredness than he does about working out all the details of how our healing and liberation from self will express itself in the ways that help other people. Like the way we deal with panhandlers or the way we deal with idle busybodies in church who won't work. And I read that and I said, ow, ouch. And so I just kind of took that and uh, I kind of rephrased it a little bit into just, I just got Tom Dishman's thoughts, you know, like how I would, I might say this. Maybe this command to care for the poor has more to do with me than it does with them. So maybe when I drive by, you know, those holding up signs, 
Maybe the first reaction in my heart is really more important than what's happening over here. Maybe it has more to do with me and my heart and my response to how I have been so graciously enriched by the life of Jesus in me. Maybe it's more about me. Maybe it has something to do with the freedom and the blessings that I have come to know or we have come to know and our default response to be the loving hands of Jesus reaching out. Now, I get the tension that, that we're in on this. Um, I, I, get, I also get um, the other Bible verse that says, like, if you don't work, you don't eat. I get all, all of that. We get that. All I know is that Jesus has called us to be his example, to be the one that reaches out to people in need. Mother Teresa said this way, I know I am touching the living body of Christ in the broken bodies of the hungry and the suffering. And I think that applies to you and to me. So what's our call? I'm just going to give you two things. Um, How are we going to walk this out, live this out? Number one, we're to understand the reality of the world that we live in. There are people today who are living in this life that's called poverty. Brown's perspective reader, if you've been a part of perspectives, and like literally, I don't know, hundreds have been, um, describes absolute poverty and relative poverty. Absolute poverty, a term used to describe the poverty when people have an absolute insufficiency to meet their basic needs. Food, clothing, housing. Indeed, many who are in absolute poverty starve to death. You, you may know people who fit into that category. Then there's relative poverty. It's found in the developed world and is measured by looking at a person's standard of living relative to others in the community or nation. It's sometimes called secondary poverty. Relative poverty is a measure of the extent to which people are on the margins of society. And I would just bet that for all of us, that we're connected somehow, some way to those living on the margins of society who are living in relative poverty. You know, and I know that too much of the world, you and I are wealthy, yes? We are wealthy. Someone say it this way. If you have food in your fridge, clothes on your body, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the entire world. Hmm. If you have money in your wallet, a little change, and, go, and can go anywhere you want, you are among the 18% of the world's wealthy people. Sometimes... It's just really good to stop and consider how blessed we are. We are first blessed by this brand new life that Jesus has given to you and to me, extended to you and to me, and we've received it. Now we're blessed to be a blessing to others. Number one, we consider the reality of the world that we're in. Number two, we are to live with open hands and a tender heart. That's what surrender is all about. That's why I say like maybe maybe this is more about my reaction and my heart than it is about them. We are to live with open hands and a tender heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 11. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother. It's our heart, our open hands, and our desire to follow Jesus in this messed up world. You shall open wide your hands to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor, and they are around us today. 
Bible has a number of verses on generosity. I just, I just want to share it with you this morning, and I just pray that they speak to us. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart, his hand, against him, how does God's love abide in him? You see, it will be seen, his love in the tracks that we leave and the example that we um, walk out every day, this example of Jesus. We are called to live generously to the poor as a community and individually, as a community together. I just want you to know what we do together through your giving and your tithes and your offerings. Every, every week we go, let's give to the Lord, right? right? Well, a, as a community, you give thousands of dollars to help people. Do you know that during this weird COVID thing, um, we gave away somewhere around $30,000 to people because you gave. It was your money. We gave it to people in need. We budget about somewhere in the neighborhood of $10,000, near $10,000 a year just, just, just to help people with needs that come up, emergency needs, power, and, and things like that. That's, that's your money. We give away, and I'm so grateful um, because every about three, three Saturdays a month, we have a meals team who is handing meals out the back door of our kitchen over here to the tune of four to 5,000 meals a year. I don't know how much does a meal cost, five bucks, seven bucks, you, you can do the math. They're doing that because, because you give. And there are hungry people in the world today. We have a shelter that we, we try to care for, for people. This is what we're doing as a community. And we need to keep doing these things. And we will keep doing these things as you enable us to do it. We are doing them. But it's not enough for us to live this way as a community. What am I doing as an individual part of the community? What can I do for my neighbor or my friend or someone in need? Now, I'm, I'm going to invite us in, in just a moment. We're going to pray a, a short prayer. And it just goes like this, like, God, just remove anything and everything in my life that would just cause me um, to, or that would hinder me from living out this example to people that you may be bringing across my pathway. I, I say this a number of times. I say it again this morning. Um, that if, if all we do is feed people and clothe them, and it, it stops there, we're not fulfilling the mission of Jesus. We're just another organization feeding and clothing people. We do that because we have something greater, and that's to extend um, 
this gospel story through our lives and how we're responding to people. And we pray that people will come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's, that's why we do what we do. And so we say, God, would you just remove any hindrance from someone coming to you through my actions or how I might, might respond to them? We have people in our community who live in relative poverty. I'm certain that we have families coming. I mean, we were one of those families that walked in to a church one day, mom and five kids. If it wasn't for the help of other people, I don't know. And so, so the prayer is just like, God, just remove any hindrance in my life. Um, start with me. And God, when you call me to follow your example, to reach out to the poor, give me the wisdom and give me the direction. Because someone asked me a really good question afterwards. And I said, you know, I, I get it. It's, it's about balance. I get the work to eat thing. I, I get that. But sometimes we use that as an excuse. And all of us are going to drive by somebody. It's just, just waiting for somebody to reach out to them. I just pray, Jesus, as we just kind of wrap up this morning, and, and we purpose to live with open hands and open heart in this messed up world. And there are people around us who, who really are, are poor. They're, they're in need. And we live in that tension of do we or do we not? And God, would you first work in my heart? Would you work in our hearts? Remove anything that would hinder what you want to do in me and through me. And then, Lord, let us be your hand extended. Blessing others as, as you have blessed us for the purpose of seeing your kingdom expanded and then just releasing people to you. That's, that's what I pray. So, Father, as we live with open hearts and open hands, I pray that others will be blessed as a result, I, I, I pray as we look behind us and see the tracks that we have left, that what we'll see is an example of Jesus. Not because we're, we're any good, but because you're living in us and you're living through us. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we? Let me just ask you, maybe, maybe commit this prayer. Um, this morning is like, God, how can I walk this out in my life? Maybe I'm... I'm Maybe I'm connected with somebody at work. Maybe I, I drive by the grocery store. The, how can I walk this out? How can I live this out? Look, here's the deal. Um, we're going to make mistakes. So in the monies that we have given out at Gateway, we've been taken. I'm, I'm sure of that. But that's up to Jesus. I'm sure as we walk this out, there's going to be times when like, we're going to get taken. But you know what? Let's just commit that to Jesus. Amen and let him deal with that. Let's sing, let's worship together.